find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Now, you know, every one of us has things in our life that causes us pain. It may be emotional pain, it may be physical pain, could could be any any kind of pain. And normally that pain is associated with some sort of negativity. It's it's just kind of human nature for that to happen. It could be because we're we're stressed, it could be because we're because we're hurting. Uh, could be any any number of reasons, and so if I were to give you the name of a book, which is called "Pain: Transforming Pain to Power," you may think, "Do what? How in the world do you do that?" Because it it, it kind of seems counterproductive. You know how how do you take something? that is basically knocking you down and turn that into power. That just that doesn't make any sense. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know that there, there are many times on the show that you kind of start off thinking that, you know, I've lost my mind. I understand that. <laughs> but now, now, normally by the end of the show, I, re- I, you know, I redeem myself. Now... This that that is the name of a book. I didn't just make that up. And it was written by Doris Hell hey Held. And she's actually my guest this evening. Now I actually initially spotted another one of her books called Conquer Your Inner Critic. And if you've looked at the information about my Love Accept and Respect Yourself program, one of the segments of that is uh, about conquering our inner critic. You know, we, we have critics, you know, other people can be critics of ourselves, of us. But we also have to deal with our, our inner critic, that little voice inside us. And so when I saw that, I'm like, hey, hold on, i got to take a look at this. And so I, I always like to kind of zero in on people that that have similar messages to, to what I talk about and write about and that sort of thing. So so I took a look. I actually spotted her on Facebook, and I took a look at that, and so I was looking, and I, I noticed that she had another book called Transforming Pain to Power. And and I, I also thought, what is she talking about? i gotta, I got to take a closer look. So I sent her a message, and, and we got to talking, and I really liked what she was saying. And and we just kind of seemed in sync with a lot of the things we were talking about. So you you all know me. I asked her if she'd be a guest on the show, and she said yes. And so she she is going to be with us this evening. And it just it's she's got such an encouraging message, and there's just so many neat things that she's going to share with us tonight. Um, it it just as far as her. Her enthusiasm about being a coach. Um, she actually used to be a therapist, and I think you're going to enjoy hearing about her change between being a therapist and being a coach. 
and she's very excited about about coaching and helping people, which I I always love to find people that just love helping people because I do too. And like I said, I love when I can find people who help share the message about helping people find how to, how do I say this, um, help people find ways to turn around or how to limit the negativity in their lives or to take the negativity or the negatives and limit the negatives and to turn them into more positives. Basically, how to help people to improve the quality of their lives. Um, that's, that's one of the main, the main purposes behind this show. One of the main reasons I do this every week. And she's definitely going to help us do that. So I am really looking forward, forward to show, sharing this message with you and sharing the show. And I hope you all enjoy this. And from time to time, and I haven't done one of these in quite a while, but I, I need to get back into doing these. I actually asked her if she would prepare a love work assignment. I know, I know you're used to people having homework and that kind of thing, but I like calling it love work. I got that from Dr. Ava, and I asked her if I could use it, and she said, yes, I could. So I just prefer calling it love work. That just sounds so much more fun. So Doris is going to have a love work assignment, and we were going to share that. We're going to share it at the end of the show. So it's it's not difficult to do, and it's also going to be geared toward helping you turn things from negative to positive. So interesting show we've got tonight. Interesting show. Um, I, I just I think you're going to enjoy this. I do. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to Doris, and we're going to talk about her book, Transforming Pain to Power. Doris, it is fantastic to have you with me tonight. First of all, I want to thank you for asking me. I've been really looking forward to this. You have such a successful show, and I love reaching people who are interested in exactly what you offer. How can we all be our best selves? How can we have the healthy, positive relationships we want to have? And that, of course, spills over not just in our personal lives, but in our professional lives, too. So a little bit about me. You know, I know so much about me. I'm much more interested in other people. And so I'm more of a listener. And that's why I'm a coach. I love coaching people, listening to them, finding out what their specific concerns are and helping them weave their way through the little jungles that we all build for ourselves and create new tapestries that are much more fun for us than what we've previously experienced. I have been interviewed on the Today Show, CNN, NPR about what I offer. I've got three best-selling books, Conquer Your Inner Critic, Transforming Pain into Power, and Joy on the Job. And my next book comes out this month. It's Difficult People Solutions. I love talking to people 
after hearing their stories about what will really work for them. It's so different for all of us because everyone listening is so unique and so incredibly special. And once they discover their life purpose, everything gets so much easier if they truly want to align that with what they're doing every day. So for some of us, that means not seeking approval anymore instead of being rewarded for being 100% our authentic self, which is kind of a daunting task, so we take it in small, slow steps. Most of us learned as children that to thrive and sometimes to thrive, it was really important to at least appear to be someone we weren't and to be very collaborative, even if that appeared as a conflict stance. And I mean collaborative by seeming to be someone we weren't. So over time, I've been most fascinated by who are we? Who do we think we are? How can we decide to become who we really are? And how can we bring that first to our relationship with ourselves and then to our relationship in every other part of our life, personal and professional? That's good. And like I said, it's, it's going to fall very in line with the kind of things that, that I'm writing about and talking about and that sort of thing. I, I saw your, when I first looked at your website and I saw the, the book about your inner critic, I'm like, oh, that's one of my topics too. <laughs> you know? So it's, we got we to gotta shut off that little, brain, that little voice in our head sometimes. And the so, way to do it really is different for each person. And I've always been attracted to your work for the same reason. We approach the inner critic with two different points of view, and they both work really well for our clients. That's good. Well, that's that's the thing, because I, I talk to people, and I'm like, I've read all the self-help books, and, and I know all this stuff. And I'm like, well, but every person, we, we each bring our own experiences, our own know-how, our own perspective into the way we write. And I know I, know I write very much like I'm, I'm sitting down talking to the person sharing with them. So it's a very much what's going on in my mind and what I'm thinking and things that have worked for me in the past. And each one of us has approached it so differently. I think we all bring something to, to the potential readers. So why, why did you decide that you wanted to be a coach? A lot of people don't really understand what like a, um, uh, a life coach or a business coach or a relationship coach, they don't really understand that because it's, it's – even though coaches have been around for a long time, it, it's just starting to get more momentum as far as people understanding there is such a thing um, and starting to work with them. So why did you decide that you wanted to be a coach? My training was in helping people through therapy, and I found that useful. People found it helpful, and yet I really kept gravitating toward the goal, positivity, what are possibilities kind of thinking. And the more I worked with clients using those kind of tools and saw the dramatically different success rates that my clients had, I very seldom do therapy anymore, even though I'm still you know, licensed, certified, et cetera. It's just much more fun to delve into who we can be and to get past that block that every single one of us has at least a few times in our lives of, you know, it's really scary to be who I can be. It's quite frightening to think I have a life purpose and I have something so unique and special to offer this planet. But to get beyond that fear and to right. gain the most incredible joy that I've ever experienced, which is 
helping other people move into their best selves, it's very addictive, to be honest with you. It is so addictive, and I know you understand that. It makes me excited about working people every single day, even though my schedule is really intense. I go, wow, you know, what are people going to discover today? What am I going to discover today? How can we co-create? Because coaching is the most magical arena I've ever participated in as a facilitator of human growth. There is a space that happens when they make a commitment and when I'm there for them and when I listen and help them pick up on those little tiny subtleties and the nuances of what they say and do that I can't use any other word other than magic. It is so incredibly magical and it's much, much more rapid than therapy. Very, That's true. Well, you know, <clears throat> the funny thing was when, when I first started going through my coaching training I was doing it mainly because I was working with the the owner of of Loveology University and I'm like okay the more I learn the more I can help her promote her business you know because I'll understand more in depth and within like the first couple of courses I completed I started feeling differently about me you know and I'd, I'd heard her on interviews and stuff say that the coach, you know, gets gets so much out of their work personally and this kind of thing. I'm like, well, that's a good selling point. I like that, you know. I didn't really believe it and, and didn't really take it to heart, but I, I love the selling point that that it presented. And then I started seeing things, that, and my mother, who, who, you know, was really, really sick at the time, she looks at me and she says, I don't know what's causing it, but you just seem so much happier. It's It's great to see this about you. And it dawned on me, I'm like, okay, if other people are noticing I feel better, I'm feeling better about myself just from a couple of courses, and I still had like 30 to go at that point. And I'm like, you know, if, if just starting to dabble in it can make that kind of difference, I've got to do this for other people too, but I've got to keep doing it for me, you know. So it was, it was seeing the change in perspective in me and, and feeling, feeling better about things. And I don't think I even realized how much certain things were bogging me down until I started, you know, seeing the difference and feeling the difference and that kind of thing. So being able to help people like that, that's fantastic. And I, and I had a woman that, that tracked me down. She, she read the sales page for my um, Love, Accepting, and Respect Yourself program. And, and she says, I had to call you and I had to talk to you and tell you, I get it. This is what I need. That is just such an awesome feeling, you know, and I know you've been through that with, with plenty of clients and it just, it, it, I don't know, it just kind of validates that it's an awesome, awesome way to um, make a living and to help other people. I'm still amazed that we get paid for what we do. Only, I, mean, <laughs> I know my work is priceless. You know, that's not an issue. I have no problem pricing it. What I mean by that is we get to learn and grow every single day. Yes by learning more about ourselves and by learning about other people. And, you know, when you wake up every morning, you think what a privilege it is to get to help people and to truly see results. I mean, sincere results where they write you back emails and they call and they say, you know, my life has changed. I just can't imagine another occupation. I've worked at universities. You know, I've been on faculty at three universities. I've headed national organizations, done all kinds of things. And this is by far the most rewarding that I've ever done. Definitely. Definitely agree. So, now you, you named your book Transforming Pain into Power. What does that mean? What does that title mean for you? It means 
Owning Your Personal Power. The first edition of this book really was kind of a tribute to me. Hey, you finally got out of victimhood. You know, I was great at being a professional victim. I spent decades doing it. So I'm really good at helping people who feel victimized by something because I know how tough it is to leave that arena. Right. And this book reached many, many editions over the years because it really works. And it takes people into, okay, I'm ready to get over the fear of realizing that I'm in truth a very powerful person. That in actuality, I cannot blame anyone anymore for my circumstances or my lack of happiness or anything else, whether it's my relationship or something at work. I just can't keep blaming people. And there's so much freedom in that because what I realize is, wow, I really am in charge. And it's easier than I ever thought it would be when I was hiding behind playing a victim just because I didn't have any great role models for not being a victim. I don't think our society presents a lot of positive, highly visible role models for owning one's personal power. Very true. It's so different than anyone ever thought it would be. You know, there's this myth in society that being a powerful person means controlling other people or manipulating them, and personal power is exactly the opposite. It is so soft and so alluring to people because you stand firmly in your authentic self. It's like, this is who I am, world. Take it or leave it. I know not everyone will want to play games with me, and by games I mean the joy of the journey of life. And yet I'm so happy that I could live the rest of my life all by myself and be really content. And, of course, that's when people cluster around you nonstop. And you have effective boundaries, and you decide, okay, I'm letting this person in at this point in time, and that person in. This person I'm not letting in, although I send them compassion. That's personal power. Personal power is this is who I am. This is who I'm not. I stand for what I believe in. I'm in total alignment with my life purpose because I've explored it, and I love it, and I accept it. I accept all of myself, which means that I'm real clear. I have warts and bumps and bulges and wrinkles like we all have. And I'm truly in love with myself. I really love me. That's very true. Well, and, and I saw a thing the other day. There was there was a big debate going on. It actually got quite a bit of news coverage, too, between, I, I don't remember the woman's name, and that's probably a mental block because she her, just, her approach irritated me so bad. But she she's one she's known as like the skinny mom or something like that. And she was having a big debate with one of my Facebook friends who had had a contest where she she wanted people she says send in a picture of yourself in in sexy lingerie, feeling good and proud about yourself. And that really and, and most of her customers are plus size. She's got like a, a, a curvy boutique for for women that aren't like a size two they're like normal size and and larger and that really really upset the skinny mom and she says she says how can you love yourself when you're like that it's unhealthy and it's bad for you and all this kind of thing and it, it just it made me so mad it's like okay it's not that the people don't understand that it would be healthier to lose weight and they may even be working toward that you, she doesn't know you know, but it was it was more the you aren't what I think you should be, so you're not good enough. And there's a lot of that in society. So being able to say I have faults, I have problems. Maybe maybe my my skin was 
part of the kid and I've got scars on my face or, or maybe uh, I'm getting gray hair and this is a real issue for me. Uh, maybe I need to lose weight, but, but I understand all those things. But the thing is, you can love yourself even with all those problems and with all those things that you, you, you know, either need to work on or need to accept one of the two. You know, so getting to a point where you can look in the mirror and go, this needs work and this needs work and this needs work, but dang on, I love myself anyway. That is huge. And it, it does. It makes a huge difference in how you feel. And, and the thing is, if, if you're always negative and you're always thinking negative things and putting out negative comments, you're gonna, people are going to be attracted to you that have the same mentality. But like you said, too, if, if you're in a positive state of mind and you're feeling good about things and good about yourself, people want to be around you. They want that positivity in their life, and we can give it to them. And, and while it may seem, quote-unquote, easier to stay in the victim mentality, it's, it does take work to change that, but it's so, so worth the effort for people. And like you said, too, it's, it's awesome to be able to help people to do that. So now that brings us to a point. I know people, and I'm related to people, who have a huge issue with um, taking control of your life. Now, see, my mentality is if you don't control your own life, somebody else is going to. You know, so there there are good and bad elements to control. What? How do you explain it? If if you have a client and they have control issues, go. Oh no no no! I can't do that. That's bad. How do you, how do you help them with that? Just please um, humor me a little bit. I want to follow up on something you said a moment ago. Okay. If someone is saying that you love yourself only when you look a certain way. You don't love yourself. Right. And the reason my clients who come to me saying, I want to lose weight, lose weight, is because we do not focus on their weight. In fact, we very seldom talk about their weight. We go straight to the root cause. Right. And we go right to, how do I love myself exactly as I am right now? And then the pounds eventually, if they really want to lose weight, the pounds, and if it's appropriate, some people are designed not to be thin, and you both, and we both know that. You know, we right. all have body types and styles, and there are many, many things you can look at. You can say, how am I truly designed to be? But we don't focus on weight, and that's why the weight drops off. And Indira Gandhi is one of my favorite role models because she once said, I knew I would never be beautiful, and yet I got so much from learning to love myself as a person that Western society didn't consider beautiful. When I read she said that, I was like, how could she say that? She's gorgeous. <laughs> you know, she's one of the most distinguished, dignified, most beautiful women inside and outside. And I've always been fascinated that someone told her she wasn't beautiful and that she first took that at heart and then she said, rubbish. <laughs> so back to your question. Should we take charge of our lives? We already do. It's just are we doing it consciously or unconsciously? You know, for example, we have self-perceptions. We validate those self-perceptions when they're unexamined. So, for example, back in my decades of being a professional victim, and by the way, I looked really professional on the outside. Everyone would not have known that I had this concept that I was using to blame everyone for my circumstances and so forth. It was so not obvious to people because I was running from myself, very low self-esteem, and wanting to have a certain 
professional and other kind of appearance to make it look a certain way, I was a people pleaser, that that was a way of controlling my life. Was it working? Of course not. You know, I really, about age 35, looked at myself and said, you know, there's something that isn't working here, and I think it's me, and I get to work on me. Exactly. Since then, my life, although, you know, there were there were some periods of time that it was very intense. It was like, okay, if I don't like me, how do I want to spend time with me? Right. But then right. it got to this point, it's like, you know, I really just want to be with me. I finally <laughs> like myself. Well, you know, it's kind of oh. like we, we always tell people you, you shouldn't love somebody from what you can make them into. You know, if, if they do change, that's wonderful, but don't expect it. So it's the same way with ourselves. We should never say, I'm going to love myself if I do this and this and this and this. Love you as you, and then work on the other things, and then you can love yourself even more. So it's the law of physics. If I'm trying to change, trying is a really, really bad word. And what I do with clients is lead into exercises where they physically get what happens when they use the word try. Right. And try is so detrimental to positive change. And again, we look at the law of physics and how that plays in. For now, though, it's the same as you just said so beautifully. If you try to change someone else, they will inevitably recoil because we all want self-actualization, which includes being in charge of where we want to go and navigating in our own ship. So your question about, yes, some people think trying to control our own life is a negative thing is simply their point of view. Right. And most of the time we don't take conscious control of our lives when we're simply afraid of our power. I mean, we all have amazing, amazing levels of power when we accept it because we are, are programmed with a very special and specific life purpose. So we're all set up to go, and sometimes we get little glimpses of who we could be, and we go, whoops, I'm not going there. <laughs> Too scary, never done it before. And so we backtrack, which is fine. That's why coaching is helpful for people, as you know. It's just great, though, to gradually develop more and more self-awareness and develop more and more comfort every single day with what am I really here to do, what can I do, how am I willing in this moment to be consciously taking more control of my thoughts, my feelings, and my expectations, assumptions, and just have fun with it. You know, we make life such a journey of struggle sometimes. And it really wasn't set up to be that way. We're pre-programmed to be successful. We're pre-programmed to have these loving relationships. We're hardwired that we need positive, healthy relationships to thrive. You can't tell me that if we need them that we're not programmed to have them. And I know you wouldn't. I know that our self-talk sometimes, though, says, oh, you can't have them. You know, an interesting point that um, I, I did two interviews a while back with um, the stepmother of a plus-size teen who is a model, and she she does a lot of pageants. And so I interviewed the mother on one show, and I interviewed the daughter on the other show, on another one, which was it was kind of interesting to hear hear both perspectives. And when I was talking to the mother, she brought out the, the point that not only do we have to be careful what we say to children. Is but also be careful what we say about ourselves that they hear. 
So even if you're telling the, the daughter and saying, you're beautiful the way you are and, and you're wonderful and don't worry about your size, but then if they turn around and they hear the mother say, oh, I need to lose weight, I look horrible, blah, 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 that's what she's hearing. You know, so show the daughter that you love yourself the way you are and you love her the way she is. I just I thought, I thought I hadn't thought about that, but it made really good sense, and I'm glad she vocalized that for me. Right. You know, we can talk all we want to to mm-hmm. kids about what to do, and it's been proven over and over again. What kids pay attention to is what we yes. do, who we exactly. are, how we act. Walt, Ralph Waldo Emerson said it so beautifully many, many years ago. You know, who you are is speaking so loudly. I can't hear who you say you are. Yes. That's it. They they are watching at all times. Listening, paying attention to, you know, it's energy. We're energy, they're energy. They pick up on our energy from day one when they pop out of the womb. They're feeling, they're sensing, and they did, of course, before they popped out of the womb. Very true. <clears throat> now, you talk about the positive power of negative emotions like fear and anger. And, and people are going to hear that, and they're like, there's something positive about fear and anger? So what what do you mean by that? Okay. First of all, I don't think we would have been created to have all of the <laughs> negative emotions that we have if they didn't serve a purpose. And when I started thinking about that, I really started delving into research. It's like, has anybody proven that? It's been proven over and over again. So the obvious is you look back at the, you know, really innate, hardwiring about looking around for the saber-toothed tiger. Right. So we have a lot of fear that's pre-programmed, and that's okay because through coaching and in other ways you can discover what's a real fear, what's a perceived fear that really could not possibly even come real, and you can learn to live more in the present moment. And then you can start looking at, okay, let's not look around too often anymore for the saber-toothed tiger, and let's look at how to use fear. And how to use fear is, for example, just one little example. If I'm nervous about going out on a date and I want to create the relationship that I want, how can I take that as a step before the date to go, okay, what am I not comfortable with about myself? Where am I comfortable and where am I not comfortable with being vulnerable? How do I want to pre-plan some things about my date so that I don't appear as someone on this date who is rigid with armor, and the kind of armor I'm talking about here is I want to look positive, comment. I want to look happy. I want to look successful. And yet, because we are energy, because we spontaneously and intuitively read each other's energy, the date picks up on that. And the date goes, well, this is not my perfect person because I can sense They're not saying it, they're not showing it to me, but I sense they're not honest. So I will never be able to trust them. So that's a way to use fear in one of the most positive ways. It's like, okay, if I think ahead of time, and I may want to talk it over with a coach, when I'm with this person, let's say we're having coffee, and if this person asks me this question or that question, and I know I'm going to feel uncomfortable, how will I approach that? How will I be authentic so that they will trust me and at the same time, not tell them everything about every fear I've ever had. You know, that's a way that we get twisted 
in thinking fear is bad because we just want to feel confident all the time. And the truth is, if we don't feel fearful, we don't build our confidence. I always use the example with my clients of the first robin of spring. It's just a harbinger showing you, yes, there's snow outside still or cold if you live in the south. But on the other hand, the robin is showing up saying, this is a sign that you're about to have this wonderful thing that we call spring, new life, new birth. So when fear shows up, if you don't judge it, and that's why you have the tools in the book Transforming Pain into Power about how not to judge the fear, how to use it, how to non-judgmentally observe it, walk with it, acknowledge the fear, but don't wallow in it, because as Nikki said, you focus and you get what you focus on. It doesn't work if you try to be where you're not, though. So you take small steps by piece by piece and very successfully looking at, okay, I'm afraid of X, Y, and Z. (coughs) This is how I develop a lack of fear about X, Y, and Z. And it's really extremely doable when you chunk it down like that. So the advantage of fear, just like the advantage of anger, is it always is an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to see ourselves. And when we don't see ourselves, we draw in mirrors of other people who irritate us, like the scratch of fingers on a chalkboard, because they're showing us fear or anger, for example, that we don't want to see about ourselves. And then we have an opportunity to do that. So just a real quick wrap-up on that, which a question the whole book is about, so it's kind of hard to make it a short answer. (laughs) Anger is passion for yourself. Anger can be used very effectively and very constructively and safely, or it can be used with wild abandon and hurt other people. Anger, though, is not bad. It is simply, I want a better life for myself, and I'm screaming with passion inside of myself to find the best way to do that. Fear is a tool also. Very true. Very true. Well, and, and it's tough sometimes to get people to understand that, that what made us who we are and that person that we need to love are the good things and the bad things. You know, there were there were issues from, from when I was a kid that really, really bugged me, but they made me a lot stronger. They made me a person that, that will stand up for myself. Um, you know, while while there may be negative issues to that and, and things that uh, I may not like about it, they all made us who we are. And the thing is, if you hadn't gone through difficult times or hardships or that kind of thing, you wouldn't be the same person today. And you might be somebody you, you really dislike because of that. I mean, I look around and, and there there could not be more polar opposite between me and my brother and our perspectives on a lot of things. And we grew up in the very same household. <laughs> you know, we grew up in the same house with the very same parents, the very same values, all this sort of thing. But we we took those experiences and, and we became very different in, like, how we tackle life and work and relationships and friendships and all this kind of thing. And, and one of these days I'm actually going to do a case study on it and just write it up just to show, you know, you, you can have the same situation and the same circumstances and use them in such totally different ways to become very different people. So, you know, embrace the good and the bad, you know, um, Embrace the things that even even if it was a difficult time, um, and and that's like one of the, one of the most traumatic things was was losing my mom several years ago, but it was it was very interesting the things it's allowed me to see and the changes it's allowed me to make 
that I, I didn't realize while she was here, and it's because I'm seeing other people in other situations in different ways. I, I like to joke and say that I'm, I'm now seeing my father without the mom filter, quote-unquote, you know, because I was seeing things through, um, how do I explain it, through the, she, she put up a lot of blocks for him. So there was a lot of things I never realized and never comprehended because she wasn't letting me see that when she was involved. Does that make any sense at all? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay, good. See, see, she gets it. <laughs> but it, it, the first time, first time the whole mom filter idea came to me, I was I said it to a friend of mine, and she she knows my whole family. She's like, that explains it. <laughs> you know? Good. I'm gonna use that one. Very eloquent. Yeah. I tell you, but it, it does. It, it's very different because we see things. We're, we're looking technically through our eyes, but we're also seeing it through how other people are impacting different elements of our life. So it's, it's just, it's interesting. It really is. And that's also where we absorb other people's energy. Yes. So it affects our personal filter. And then later we can explore that and say, is this my thought? Is it hers? How do I really want to deal with this thought that may or may not be something I want to keep carrying around? You know, your question earlier about painful experiences making us stronger there's a video about that at transformingpainintopower.com, and it really illustrates how absolutely bored we would be if we didn't have the next challenging experience in our life. Oh, yes. And so we have a choice. We can either blame our circumstances or we can thank our insatiable desire for growth, for leading us to the next challenge and the next and the next. The only thing that we sometimes do wrong is label the experience as bad. Bad, wicked, awful, painful, never should have happened. You know, we played the should on ourselves game. And honestly, truly, if the people listening will ask themselves a few questions, okay, is this a sign that I'm perhaps afraid of change, which is perhaps truly a fear of being my authentic, empowered self? Right. really owning my capabilities of really being exactly who I am in every circumstance, knowing that some people will absolutely adore me and more often than not, people will want to experience me because we connect with people who are authentic. We want to, and it's their choice whether they want to connect with us. So, you know, it's just a fascinating journey that we're on, and it can be as fun as we want it to be, or as miserable as we want it to be, or something in between that's kind of not very exciting either way. Well, you know, that, that, it's like I talk to people that say they get bored. I don't understand how you get bored. You know, and I'm like, we, this, I, I need to help you with that. I need you to help you not be bored with things. Because I've, I've always wanted to learn, and, and I, I think it, it start, kind of stemmed from the fact that, that I've always loved to read. You know, whether it's whether it's a novel and I get to, you know, through the words of the book, travel to another country or learn about another culture or whether it's it's nonfiction and I'm learning how to, to get more skills and this kind of thing. If I could just do that full time, I would be happy. <laughs> it doesn't pay the bills, but it would I would be a very happy person if I could just learn nonstop. And you are learning nonstop. You're oh, learning yeah. by being open to learning nonstop and at the same time you're providing an incredible service. And I agree Very true. You. Well, the thing about the coaching training, too, like I said, there were 33 different courses within the whole curriculum that I took. And every one of those opens up all these new things I want to learn about. So 
and write about and share and all that sort of thing. So you are. I, lots and lots and lots of, of future book ideas. <laughs> yeah, and you're doing so much so rapidly and serving so many people. You know, the boredom, there's one more concept to bring up about that. Numb, N-U-M-B, is an emotion, and that's different than boredom, and some people confuse the two. Numb is a very valuable emotion. For example, one of the first stages when we deal with grief or an intense traumatic experience. But I just find emotions so amazingly fascinating and how they're side-by-side in the brain. You know, if you're capable of feeling fear, confidence is right next to it in the brain, and all you have to do is learn a few little tips, and you will immediately, immediately be able to tap into more confidence when you feel fear. That is so neat. And people need to read your book so they can learn more about how to do that. So go ahead and give us your website address. How can people find out more about you and and see the video you talked about and that sort of thing? How can they find you? This specific book is at www.transformingpainintopower.com, and there you see the video as well as information about the book. And, of course, you can buy it on Amazon, too, or you can buy it on the website. Other websites about me, I think people are not quite as aware as they could be about how to conquer their inner critic, and so I have a site called www.innercriticsolutions.com. There are videos there, and there are also lots and lots of articles and other hot tips on how to deal with the inner critic. When we think about the focus of your show, creating the perfect relationship for you, and also just moving forward in all aspects of our life, relationships in everything, whether it's personal or professional, then the inner critic comes into play. And it doesn't have to be negative. I actually enjoy helping people learn how to use their inner critic as a positive tool. It doesn't have to haunt you and taunt you. You can learn to befriend it and actually have some fun with it. So the last website that I would mention right now would be the Teleclass series that's ongoing. We have so much fun with that. It is www.newrelationshiptools.com. Nice and easy to remember. Newrelationshiptools.com. And from there you receive videos that are very helpful in terms of relationships. You have an opportunity to attend a free Teleclass that acquaints you with the ongoing Teleclass series. Just, just quickly, what? How do you explain to people what their inner critic is? And I'm, I'm sure that could be easily an hour by itself. But, but if somebody just says, "I don't have an inner critic," how, how do you explain to them what the inner critic is? How can they identify that they do have one? The inner critic is a hidden positive tool for self-growth, and we developed it. See, we think that we get our inner critic from parents and other authority figures when we're kids. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest myths that exist. The truth is the inner critic is something that we give birth to as a self-protective mechanism. Since we gave birth to it, we can absolutely revise it so that it works with us now in a very different way. It served us exquisitely as children. You know, one quick example, you wanted to get cookies off an upper shelf. And you really shouldn't. You could break your arm or your leg because they were purposely placed in a place you couldn't reach. And so your inner critic would say things like, you're not big enough, you're not strong enough, you're not powerful enough, you can't do it. So over time, we inculcated that voice so much at an integrative level that every time then we wanted to do something new, we would go, you can't do it, you're not big enough, you're not powerful. And then the voice eventually becomes, you're not good enough, and you're not strong enough, and you're not powerful enough. 
Right. So it's simply a matter of picking up some tools. That's one of my books is Conquer Your Inner Critic, where you learn how to revise it so it's the pleasant, helpful voice that is already working for most of us 24-7. We might as well use this powerhouse of energy in a positive way. And besides that, it makes life a lot more fun. Well, I, I like that it goes, it, it initially is protective of you, because you, you, need, you need that little voice in your head to say, you can't do this, you're going to hurt yourself, <laughs> you know. But, but do you allow that to become self-deprecating, or does it stay protective? Because they're two very different things. I like that. See, I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> so. And I love your work, too. See, we approach it from two unique stances, and I'm sure we attract different kinds of clients, and it's absolutely perfect because we're, our, we're both here to serve specific people. Well, you know, that's one of the reasons, too, that, that when I first started this, I liked, especially I know with love coaches, every single one has their own niche, whether it's dealing with teens or dealing with women or dealing with people who um, uh, are dealing with infidelity issues or, or whatever the different thing is, and that way... Each coach, since we all have our own perspective and our own specialty and our own things that, that we're personally qualified to deal with, it's great to have a big network of coaches that you, you worked with or talked to or get to know because my approach may not be right for somebody, but I may know that from talking to you that your approach would be perfect for the person. So we can, it's great to have that network that we can refer people and and find the coach that's that's best for that individual person and their needs and um, the way they need to be talked to and dealt with and helped and that sort of thing. And we do have fun cross-referring. Yeah, we do. Well, and we all learn from that, too, you know. So it's just like massage therapists. They need to have people that can work on them and, you know, because... You know, there's certain things you can't you, you can't give yourself a back massage. It's not humanly possible. <laughs> if, if it is, let yeah, me know. Right. <laughs> you know, if you figure out a way for me to loosen up my back myself, please <laughs> let me know. <laughs> yeah, write your, write your book on that one. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, wouldn't it be wonderful? I I, I keep trying to train my cats, but they they won't work with me. <laughs> so, no, no, oh, walk yeah. over there. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Uh, you know, creativity never stops. What can I tell you? There you <laughs> go. <laughs> okay, so Doris, I like to give people love work. I don't call it homework. That sounds too much like school, but I think love work sounds very encouraging and sounds fun. So what is, and I asked you to come up with a love work assignment for the listeners. So what is our love work assignment for today? It's called You Are the Miracle, and it's an Ooh, I like that. Okay. Use anytime, anywhere, as long as you can close your eyes and stand. So you can do it sitting. There's something more powerful when you're standing. It's a lot of fun to do because of what happens. So but no, not while you're driving. Okay. Yeah, you know, most of us don't stand while we're driving unless <laughs> we're driving some strange machine that most of us don't drive a lot. Well, and if you're sitting, we don't want you to close your eyes while you're driving, too. So, so be, be somewhere where you're, you, you don't need to be focused on something else. Yeah, and I know some people are wired differently. Maybe you have an extra set of eyes or whatever, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the You Are the Miracle exercise. Great when you feel stressed out. Great when you're wondering, am I doing the right thing? Am I on track? So just sit or stand tall with your eyes closed. 
And I'm asking you to do that because your brain responds differently when your eyes are closed. And it, it's a very positive difference. So if you're wearing contact lens, this is going to take a couple of minutes. You might want to remove them. Next, raise your eyes with them still closed as if you're gazing through the top of your head at a spectacular sky studded by a sea of shimmering stars. And please assume that every single star is sparkling with you in mind. I like that. It's encouraging you to become all you can because you have such an important role to play while you're on Earth. So keep your eyes closed. Hold that same posture of standing tall with your eyes toward the top of your head and understanding that all this radiating splendid energy is flowing through you. Keep doing that and you will feel the magnificent healing force surging through your entire body. It is so special that you'll eventually want to do this often. So here's where we go next. While that loving healing energy that you will find really supports you surges through your body, just know that you've induced an alpha-theta brain state that's connecting you with a series of vast inner resources like a time capsule. They've been waiting until you experience this particular state so that you could gain new insights. That's why I'm encouraging you to savor this splendid state of mind so that you can perceive the truth about who you are, the truth about why you're on Earth, why you're connected with certain people, why you face certain challenges, how to use those, and why you play certain roles also as a contributor in the world of work. You have very precious and extremely unique talents. So I want you to start comprehending the supportive force that's surging through you, telling you that you really do deserve to have the blessings and backing of the entire universe so that you can achieve your personal mission that you are hardwired to do. None of the rest of us can do it. It's yours. And with every step you take to meet your destiny, please know that you are always improving life for the rest of us because all of us sense each other's energy. It is true what the Chinese have said for many centuries. When a bird flaps its wing in China, it's felt across the world. That's what you're doing right now. You're escalating the quality of your internal energy so that you can gain the clarity you want, the insights, so that you can do your life purpose step by step, not overstretching. There's no need to try. This is about allowing yourself to be who you really came here to be. Trying backfires. Allowing works every time. So we've replaced any negative state of mind that you started the exercise with with a very positive, resourceful state. And I'm encouraging you to use this strategy regularly. It will help you reconnect with your true self. It will instantly melt stress. It's very quick and easy. 
and to notice after using it especially if you repeat it a few times and practice it and kind of have it as an automatic default strategy you'll find that it's almost impossible to feel anxious and of course if any stress remains you just repeat it and it becomes part of you to carry this lovely positive state of mind around with you and to be that part of your authentic self. So enjoy and thank you for the opportunity to share this with you. Cool. So question, could you could you take that, because I'm very much an ocean person, could you take that and also do it that you're, close your eyes and that you're looking at, say, the sun setting over the ocean and the sunlight glistening off the, the waves? You can use it in all kinds of ways. The reason that I structured it the way that I did Mm -hmm. is neuroscientifically there's something very special that happens, which we could talk for hours on, but we don't have time right now, about what happens chemically in the brain when you have your eyes raised toward the ceiling and why it induces this specific brain state that works here. And, of course, you can revise it and you can use it in other ways. Um, this pretty much came to me as an insight when I was asking for some internal guidance to help some specific people. And the report that they gave me was, you know, don't change it. It works really well for us. So I've used it over years. It's in a different book that I wrote. It's in More Joy on the Job, which is the Joy on the Job book. Right. Interesting. Okay. So as you said, any exercise can be changed limitlessly, you know, for specific people, how they feel inclined to use it. This one, you know, is as it is in the book. So it's it's actually in the last few pages of the book. I'm, I'm looking around my room and I'm seeing all the pictures of lighthouses in the ocean. And I don't know why I, I would have jumped to that idea. <laughs> so. Negative ions are very healing and sea breezes are very healing. So there's a lot of research on that, too, about why the negative ions not only make us feel cleansed emotionally, but why they literally help begin cleansing stress hormones. Right. Interesting. All right, people, you have your love work, and thank you very much for sharing that with us. You're most welcome. You are so fun. (laughs) Well, like I said, I, I, I try... I want to make it interesting and fun for people to listen and I figure if I'm having fun I I hope they're having fun also and apparently you're getting a lot of feedback that they're having fun so it's all working that's good it's all good (laughs) very true yeah as long as it's fun it's almost always really helpful (laughs) well I figure fun and helpful what a fantastic combination (laughs) what's a greater privilege than to be able to do that exactly it's been a total... So you've been given given the website addresses, and for people that need to check out more of my information, like I said, I'm on, on newvisionsradio.com. You can find interviews on all kinds of interesting topics to help you. And also my website is lovecoachjourney.com. So thank you very much for being with us today. And remember that we are here to answer the question, are you ready for love? All right. I hope you all enjoyed the show. And Doris, thank you again for being with us. And listeners, I'll be with you next time on Ready for Love Radio.